1: Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, where we're recapping Australia's matches at the T20 World Cup, and tonight it was England that they came up against, and while it was a pretty one-sided match, but not in Australia's favour, I'm Josh finger and I'm joined by Louis Cameron to recap the match. Louis, good morning to you, and what did you think of that performance?
0: Good morning to you, Josh. Uh, it was a sobering defeat for Australia, a massive eight-wicket thumping. Uh, the critics will say England had a massive tactical edge in this game that... Maxwell batted too early, that Zampa bowled too late, and Mitch Marsh didn't do either at all. But I think this game was decided by one man. Uh, He wasn't the man of the match. Uh, Chris Jordan was, uh, and it wasn't Josh Butler who decided this match. It was Chris Wokes who decided this match with an absolutely remarkable spell of new ball bowling.
1: Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? It was a new Dubai pitch, and there was a bit of extra grass on it, and Chris Wokes just lapped it up. It was it was almost unplayable. I mean, this was the sort of stuff that you really don't want to see, especially there has been a bit of chatter about Australia's vulnerabilities against the moving ball, and it was on full display tonight or this morning because Wokes had
0: the ball moving enough to three overs. In all power play overs, he had two for seven. Incredible, wasn't it? But arguably, his most telling contribution during that power play wasn't even with the ball. It was in the field. The catch that he took to get rid of Steve Smith was... It just kind of solidified this this feeling of an England tidal wave kind of coming over Australia in this game. Uh, A a one handed catch running back uh, off Chris Jordan, Chris Jordan who was named Player of the Match. But that I mean that first ball he bowled was a rank half tracker. Yeah, it was terrible. Steve Smith absolutely ended over to mid on and, uh, and Chris Wokes took the took the unreal catch but uh, that came either side of some terrific bowling he got David Warner with the first ball Warner faced off him Warner walking down the wicket it was uh, odd wasn't it yeah I mean I, we've seen him do that before I don't think it was you know out of the ordinary he mm-hmm. likes to, to, to come at bowlers and um, you know uh, and kind of dominate them in that way but Wokes just, that length was perfect. I don't know if he saw him coming and, and pulled it back a bit, but he got the perfect length and, and he nicked through to, to Josh Butler. Uh, and then by the time he had Maxwell out LBW, um, pretty much Plum, and we can talk about why Maxwell was out there in at number four in a minute, but um, by the time he did that and then Marcus Stoinis was out, and the first ball after the power play, Australia yeah. were four for twenty-one. Um, and as much as we're all going to talk about Joss Butler from this game, and that's going to be the one thing we probably remember, some of the extraordinary hitting that uh, we saw after that. The game was done and dusted by six point one overs. Yeah! Steinis has reviewed it. I think he may feel he's got a tickle on it. It was a googly. No, he's not going to review. And we said it,
1: didn't we? We were uh, sitting there together watching the match, and it just seemed like the the bubble had been burst for Australia. It was uh, the way I thought about it. it It's such a well-oiled machine. This England bowling attack. Um, they just know what to do. They hit their lengths. They all played their part. And uh, Australia just couldn't find any wiggle room until about the 15th or 16th over.
0: Yeah, it was. And it was remarkable. Some of the captaincy from Owen Morgan, I thought, was well, it was really good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, I mean, it, it's easy to say that he outshone um, Aaron Finch, but, you know, he, he got dealt uh, probably a better hand, starting with winning the toss.
1: Yeah, that's a big one too, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what's the stat now? Is it 13 of... Well, yeah, the chasing team in the Super 12 stage have won 12 from 14 matches. So it's pretty telling, isn't it? So by the time he won the toss, you know, he's already had the advantage. He threw the ball to Adil Rashid to bowl the first over the game, which um, was pretty unusual. And I guess the one that we thought might be, um, or who has bowled for England a lot more in the power play recently, is Moeen Ali. He didn't bowl at all in this game. Um, and Owen Morgan got asked about it in the press conference and he just basically said that it was down to my captaincy and it was down to matchups and that the guys he wanted Moeen bowling to had been dismissed by the time that he thought <laughs> he bowl bowling. So instead, we kind of had this crazy Liam Livingston leg spin, off-spin hybrid, uh, and he bowled four overs of... of Yeah, mostly leg spin, but also off-spin to Matthew Wade. And, gee, didn't he look pumped when he got Matthew Wade out?
1: Well, he did. I mean, Livingston didn't go for any boundaries at all, which Mm. was quite remarkable. One for 15, you said his figures off his full four overs, and he did suck Matthew Wade into trying to – get him over the rope at the end, caught on the boundary and Livingston really gave it to Wade. A bit of a send off, I reckon, but maybe that's just the, the heat of the
0: moment. He might have a long memory, memory, Liam um, Livingstone. I, I know Wade is no, um, no stranger to a few words, so he might've been <laughs> getting, getting a bat for, for a little bit of it. But um, yeah, it, uh, you know, top marks to, to the way Morgan and, and, um, and the whole England bowling attack operated. Chris Jordan, we should mention, I guess, um, did bowl really well and, he eventually got uh, Aaron Finch, who it was a bit – it was a, a laboured knock really, wasn't it, yep. um, and, and not entirely his fault. He only hit four boundaries in 49 balls, managing 44 runs, strike rate of 89. Um, I don't think, you know, we can read too much into his form given every time he probably felt like he was getting on a roll. Another week it felt, yep. you know, Wade, he lost after a, about a 30-run partnership. Ashton Agar took a while to get going, but um, – And then, you know, he he himself got going a little bit, but um, it it was all too little, too late.
1: This is a question without notice. Looking at England's team, do they have any weaknesses here that uh, we can identify? Because it was a
0: pretty complete performance. I mean, they haven't really been tested. I know they lost four wickets when they beat the West Indies, but they're Mm -hmm. only chasing 55. They only lost two wickets against Bangladesh and now have lost two wickets against Australia. So... um, you know, I think they've got a lot of bases covered with the batting. With the bowling, I mean, Tamal Mills was the one tonight that Finch and, and oh, the yeah. Aussies looked to get after. Um, he ended up with two for 45. Um, he got Agar out. He got Mitch Stark out. who um, Last who, ball of the innings. Last yeah. ball of the innings, that's right. Um, so he wasn't horrendous, but he was the one, um, not the weak link, but the one they were targeting. And, I mean, it was an interesting cat-and-mouse game. There was some suggestion that Finch was particularly going after Mills because he wanted – Moen Alley to bowl. I mean, he must have been yearning for some off spin, we <laughs> you know. Finch loves off spin like uh like the cookie monster likes cookies. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, but he didn't get it. I mean Mills no. just Mills kept bowling. The interesting one is you've got Mark Wood to come back from injury. I think he's not too far off. Uh, and you've got Tom Curran, who I believe might have just recovered from a, from the injury as well. So they're two pretty solid um, backup well, up options, yeah. Backup options, yeah. Tom Curran, we've seen in the in the big batch, is a really good yep. death option. Not not as sure on Wood's credentials as a, as a death bowler, um, but he, he does have the pace. Yeah. And the fact we're nitpicking over Tamal Mills, That's you know, right. one, one spot in the England team. Um, Who up until this match had been really good. Yeah. Two for 20 and
1: three for 27, I think, in his two games so far. So really, this is just one performance out of
0: three so far. Yeah, big time. So, I mean, England, they're the team to beat, and I think they... Um, along with Pakistan, I should, I should add, yes. um, and maybe India as well because we've only seen them play one game. Mm. Um, those are the three teams, um, you know, with my, my boys, the West Indies, <laughs> um, not, not looking as flash. On the board now, though, we know with the Bangladesh team? Yes, uh, and Australia have got West Indies and Bangladesh to come on Thursday and, and Saturday. Uh, the first one's Bangladesh, second one's West Indies. So yep. they Aaron Finch said that they're must-win games basically now. Um, if they, especially with the the hammering, their net run rate took it um, did. it's gone to the negatives after it, it was quite good after two games, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was um, plus zero point six if that means anything to anyone, mm. and it's now in the, the negative point seven
0: or something like that. Yeah, so, uh, point negative point six three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So
1: Australia are really going to need to keep winning. Uh, they made one change to their eleven tonight. Uh, that was Mitchell Marsh out of the team and Ashton Agar into the team. And Aaron Finch explained the change at his press conference. Oh, clearly when you go three down in the power play, um, it's not an ideal scenario when you, when you go in with, with that um, structured team. The reason Agar was in there was was we felt it was a really good match-up for England, um, his ability to bowl in the power play and, and through the middle overs in the past against England has has been really good. So uh, we just felt that that was the the way to go tonight. Um, And it was not a reflection on how Mitch has been going at all. It was purely just a match-up thing for this game. And, um, yeah, it was unfortunate we didn't didn't get the job done.
0: So I I guess we didn't really see the full extent of how Agar might have been able to exploit the match-ups. I mean, you can't really nitpick too much into the... I mean, you can into. I was going to say into the Aussie bowling. Ash Agar ended up being one of the you know probably more serviceable bowlers. He's, he's bowled his two point four overs, one fifteen. He got Milan out as a bit of a consolation prize towards the end with a bit of a look like maybe a bit of a floating ball, um, sort of left Milan, didn't yeah, it? A it did bit, a bit. Yeah, did it? Yeah, I don't know if it was an arm ball or, or what it was, but um, he might have been taking tips from his uh, good mate Andrew Ty. I think. <laughs> okay, I think he was in his wedding party. Potentially. Right, yeah, right. So. Bit of a knuckleball situation. I'm not that. sure if it was a knuckle, It just looked like it floated a little bit. We'll, uh, we'll have to ask him next time uh, our uh, our favourite guest is on the podcast. Definitely. Um, but you can't it, – it's difficult to read too much into, um, you know, some of the Aussie figures. I mean, Pat Cummins only bowled one over for 14. Um, he's an interesting one. If Australia do revert back to four specialist bowlers, is is he, um, you know, you, you might think him or, or Hazelwood might be – yeah, in the gun a little bit along with Agar, um, if they do decide to go back to that, to that one. But it was just, um, it was just carnage from Joss Butler, wasn't it? It Was yeah. Straight away, it was the biggest power
1: play of the tournament so far, none for sixty six mm. off six overs, and when they're only chasing one hundred and twenty five, or you know that's more than half of the total going in six overs. So it was. Almost over before it started the chase.
0: Yeah, and it was over before Zampa, who has been Australia's best bowler in the first two games, before he got the ball. Um, and, you know, granted he did get uh he did get Carter around, he, he did get Jason Roy out with his second ball with a with a good review, but the bit that's probably up for debate is, you know, whether we should read much into Butler and, and then Johnny Bairstow at the end who also got in for two sixes. Um how much we should read into that being a sign of weakness with, with the Aussie guys. I, I tend to think that Zampa's, if he'd been brought on earlier potentially, and um, he might've been a better chance of getting after Butler uh, yeah. in particular, because by the time Butler got hold of him, he was just going on all cylinders and, and just trying to hit every ball for six and, and succeeding <laughs> for the most part, wasn't he?
1: He was uh, just on that point with Zampa. I did find it interesting. He wasn't used in the power play we saw in, the west indies and bangladesh at times he was used in the first 6 overs so i'm just wondering why they didn't go down that route especially with two right handers and he's a wicket taking option they needed to take wickets and they didn't go down that route
0: i think finch likes pace when he's going after wickets mm-hmm. there was another instance in one of the t20s they played in the west indies where they didn't make a big total it, it might not have been as low as 120 but you know it was in it was in that ballpark yep. And I remember he bowled. They'd Meredith in that game. They'd Stark in that game, and he he bowled them kind of up front. Uh, and whether he sees Zampa as a as a wicket taking option in the same vein, I think the what showed in, in that was that you know, anyone who could stop, put a uh, get a few dot balls on them would have been a chance to take yeah. a wicket. Because I mean, Roy and Butler once they once they're going and and I've I've just never seen a white ball team. Do it quite like England, um, because these two will, you know, uh, Roy and um, and sometimes Beasts. These guys will just get after an, uh, an attack in, in fifty-over cricket and just look like they're they're going hammer and tongs at everything. And it's 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 honestly it's great to watch. Butler goes over long off. That is sweetly struck. England are motoring here. They are foot down on the pedal. And they
1: well, Mitchell Stark, in. he's Australia's premier fast bowler and. And in the head to head between he and Joss Butler, Joss took 28 runs off 12 stark deliveries. Joss hit five sixes in total, and one of them went over 100 metres, I think, according to the broadcast. Like, it was almost A.B. Villiers; like. He was just in total control. He could hit it anywhere, and some of those straight hits were going a long, long way.
0: Owen Morgan had some really interesting things to say about what Joss Butler, um, you know, the the level that Joss Butler's taking the game to. Maybe we can have a listen to him. I think he's 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 certainly one of our players, and there there are a few of them that are at the forefront of uh, change in the game. They're not a, like he's one of the best players in the world, but yet he's still trying to improve his game and get better against every single bowler that he faces. It's not just targeting bowlers that might suit him; it's every bowler. So when you've got guys that are at the forefront of of, of change within the game and like positive change, taking the game forward type stuff. It's um, It says a lot about the guy.
1: From Australia's point of view, their destructive um, hitter, Glenn Maxwell, unfortunately didn't get going today. He came in at the loss of the second wicket, uh, which was obviously a lot earlier than we all hoped for. And it was also inside the power play, which has been unusual for Maxwell.
0: Yeah, Maxwell didn't bat in the power play at all during the recent Indian Premier League, which uh, during the second stage of it, I should say, when he really mm-hmm. dominated for RCB. The last time he did it was in April during the first stage of the um, of the IPL. But he doesn't do it often. He, he did do it once for Australia against New Zealand in February. But his success has been through the middle order, and I think there was a real case there for Australia potentially sending in Matthew Wade, um, given his success at the top order in the Big Bash, or even Marcus Stoinis. You know, I think mm-hmm. both of them have have said that they, they like batting in the top order and you know at 2 for what were they 2 for 8 in the 3rd over he was a really good chance to get one of those guys in and to protect not just to keep maxwell um you know into the the time when he's predominantly very good but also to protect him a little bit from the moving ball i yeah. think it, i think it's fair to say out of out of that top order he's probably one of the more susceptible ones to um, a bowler like wokes who was you know he was troubling all the batsmen you know he was troubling smith mm. his first ball to smith was a big outswinger that um you know, he was kind of fending around for. So yeah, I think there was a case to, um to potentially protect him a little bit. What do you think Australia will do with their 11 for the Bangladesh
1: match, which is, as you said it on Thursday, will they stick with what they've gone for in this match? Or does Marsh
0: come back into the team? It's a hard one, isn't it? You don't want to be reactionary and bring Marsh back just because you've had a collapse in in these last two games. You might say that Australia dropped him, I guess, because they'd had two quite good outings with with the bat in the first two games. We shouldn't forget. Um, So we shouldn't throw the baby out with the – or they shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think it's it's just got to be a – it's probably got to be a matchup thing. They've they clearly brought in Agar, um, as Finch said, to to bowl to some of these um, some of these English guys, and, and that didn't work out because they're only defending one twenty, and, and they were knocked off so quickly. But um, yeah, I guess the the bigger question is whether it's too big a change to be making to the team. Like, I'm not sure if other teams are changing. It really does seem to throw the balance of the Australian team out. Like today, it was. Um, you know Australia were really done and dusted by losing so many early wickets. Right. The other part with Marsh, I suppose, is he um, he did bowl quite well during the West Indies series, where he was clearly targeted by the West Indian players, um, which helped him kind of get a few few wickets because they were trying to launch him most balls. Um, but I think the fact that he kind of bounced back or that he performed quite well under that pressure. Um, should be a good sign for Australia that you know he, he will get targeted if he bowls again. Teams will be waiting for Australia's fifth and sixth bowlers if they go back into a game with just four specialists. So um, yeah, it's that's the real the real question is: can stoyness and Marsh combined with the the question mark over Maxwell um, can they be relied on to bowl four overs between them?
1: Very interesting times ahead for Australia. So as you, as we've said, it's Bangladesh up next at the much more friendly Australian time zone of 9pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. That's on Thursday. Um, so far, Bangladesh have lost to their two games in the Super 12s, first to Sri Lanka and then to the West Indies. For the Aussie fans who haven't seen a lot of Bangladesh,
0: Louis, who should they be looking out for? in this uh, upcoming encounter? Shakir Balasan is one of the best all-rounders e- to ever play the game. Um, so him, first Okay, of. that's a good sell. Yeah, the second one is just the pitch and whether it's going to be a turning pitch. And if it does, Bangladesh are right in the game. We saw when Australia went to Dakar to play 5T20s on admittedly like <laughs> alien-like surfaces. like They were beyond anything I'd seen. And <laughs> okay. I think beyond anything, um, people who played a lot more cricket than me um, had ever seen. So they won't be, if it does spin, it won't be quite like that. But um, that's going to really bring Bangladesh into the game. And, and, you know, the tournament's progressing uh, more and more um, wear on their surfaces. So. Uh, I think that's that's one to watch.
1: And we're also big fans of Mustafizur Rahman as well. He's a left-arm pacer, but he also bowls a lot of off-cutters. So it's, he's fast
0: spinner as well at times, isn't he? He was unplayable during that Dakar series, just exclusively. He was basically a spinner. He was a, a spinner bowling 130, <laughs> sometimes you know, 135 uh, kilometres an hour off spinners. So um, I think Australia should be too good for Bangladesh, no matter what the conditions are. That sets up a really interesting game, you know, if we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. It sets up a really interesting game with the West Indies who finally, as you as you pointed out earlier, have come good a little bit and um, won a game of cricket, uh, although not, not comfortably. <laughs> no. Uh, and, you know, that could be a virtual quarterfinal if they win their next game against – their next game is against Sri Lanka. So they play Sri Lanka before uh, eventually taking on Australia in their final group stage game. So um, – that's that if they beat Sri Lanka it'll I think it'll just be about be a quarter final really, won't it?
1: Yeah, it certainly will. South Africa of course also up there as well. They're in second spot in group one at the minute, but mm. they do have a match against England coming up, so their net run rate could be the next one, that couple of hiding.
0: Yeah, it could be. And you couldn't you couldn't see South Africa beating them on current form, although it is kind of T twenty cricket and we didn't think South Africa. We were watching that game before uh, before the Aussie one kicked off, and we thought they were done and dusted when Hasaranga took a hat trick, <laughs> uh, and uh, David Miller and, and Kigiso Ramada got him over the line. So, um, yeah, really interesting. It's been a really interesting World Cup, Josh. It's uh, it hasn't been high scoring, but um, there's been a lot of. Uh, Just interesting moments, funny, interesting tactical battles. uh, And I can't wait to see how the rest of it plays out.
1: Yeah, I think there might be a few more twists uh, still to come. So, Louis, thanks again for your company uh, for this edition of the podcast where we recapped England's win over Australia. And we'll all catch you next time for Australia's match against Bangladesh.